Hello and welcome to a special live edition of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I am your host, I am the Big Recon, and this is a getting back in the saddle episode. And why am I getting back in the saddle? Well, there's been some stuff going on. So I brought my friend Alex, who actually knows a lot of the stuff that's been going on, uh, from Row 7. Alex, good to see you. As always, my friend Mike, it's a blast talking sports, talking football, talking baseball with you. So I'm happy to be here. It's Monday, Monday night, and we're ready to go, locked and loaded. Absolutely. So, as I told you, as I told everybody, Alex knows kind of what's been going on. So let me go here. First things first. I want to give a shout out to my my good, new good friend Willie Epting Jr. and Natalie from Nat Sports Chat on Twitter. I did a baseball preview on March 31st. I had a blast, and as Willie said, once I did it once, I was family, no longer a special guest. The next day, unfortunately, the whole family tested positive for COVID. Um, so it was a rough week. I wasn't going to do anything. We were in quarantine. And last Friday, my wife had to go to the hospital, which led to last Sunday. And at 11.18 a.m. on last Sunday, my son Robert Edward was born uh, eight weeks premature. Mom and baby are doing great. So there is a new member of the Big Recon family. And as soon as he is home, as he's in the NICU right now, I will have him on the show. He obviously won't be interviewed, but um, he will make an appearance. And I have on my Mets dad shirt for the evening. But more. But now, let's get back to why we're here. Let's get to the early baseball season. The thing that we have been excited about since really you, Tone, and I broke this down the night after the Super Bowl. Um, first things first. Second no-hitter of the season, Rodon, against the Cleveland Indians. So I mentioned I wanted to ask you a question. I have not watched any tape from that game, but I understand he was absolute filth. So here's my question. Should Roberto Perez have jumped out of the way? Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when I heard that that's what happened. That's almost as Bush League as getting a walk-off hit-by-pitch when you put your arm into it. Oh, wait, that happened with the Mets. You know what? He might as well have bunted at that point. You know what? Just just bunt. Listen, I've had a no-no broken up that way, and the next dude ate one. (laughs) I get it. The, the the pitch was low and it was uh, I think it was a curve if if I'm if I'm correct just on that back foot and you know he looked like he made a movement but wasn't enough to get out of the way top of the foot take your base and I'm just like sitting there not knowing what to do with myself. Hey Liz, he still threw the no hitter. It was an absolutely dominant performance. I saw the stat line. It was crazy. So what are your outside of the with the injury to Eloy, now you guys have a catcher who is just insane right now. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw how the Met game in Colorado ended yesterday. I'm glad you have that catcher. Thank you. McCann rifled Trevor Story to end the game yesterday. Uh-huh. I've seen that. Do you see Lindor? How pumped he was? Oh. He's not hitting, but I love that guy. I mean, he. I took him no, number one overall in my Did you really? I did. Nice. I I know you told me you took a bunch of Mets. I didn't realize you took him first overall. Yeah, I had like a fifth or sixth pick, and I was just like, you know, this stacked lineup. Yeah, I know it's. I know it was him transitioning to a new league, but I figured he'll figure it out at a certain point, and once he gets going, he's gonna go. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the thing I love the most about this team right now is that when you look up at your stat at your stat sheets, guys, um, the New York Mets are in first place in the National League East. They've only played 11 games. Thanks, yeah. Dad. My father just said he loved my shirt. Thanks, Dad. Can you guys stop getting rained out and snowed out? Because that that's really you're really killing me over here, bro. It's supposed to snow in friggin' Chicago tomorrow. I know it is going to snow here tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little every, not happy about that. But every time I look at my fantasy roster, somebody from the Mets postponed, postponed, postponed. So yeah, I'm. Um, I'm just. I can't even begin to tell you. It's also, just. Also, I, I want you to. I want you to go off real quick here. Um, why can't the New York Mets give any run support to one Jacob DeGrom? I, I can't even begin to tell you. The okay. anger that surges through my veins when that boy takes the mound. Uh-huh. Because let me give you something I wanted to show you, I wanted to tell you about anyway. Uh-huh. Th- this is what the Mets are getting day in and day out. First of all, let's start here. Tom Seaver, one of the greatest right-handers to ever pitch in the history of the game and the greatest Met of all time. His ERA... Career for the Mets was 2.57. Uh-huh. So is Jacob DeGrom's. Uh-huh. This is where he's at. DeGrom, of course, struck out nine consecutive hitters. Do you want to know what started the nine consecutive strikeouts? What what started it? A leadoff double to Charlie Blackman and a four-pitch walk. He went 2-0 to the next guy. Nine in a row. He's averaging 99 on his fastball. He's 33 years old. He is putting up numbers. This is his number so far this year. You ready? Yeah. 20 inning pitched, 11 hits, one earned run, three walks, 35 strikeouts, .45 earned run average. Oh, and by the way, he's batting 571. So can we give him like the Cy Young now this month? Is it is it too early to just No, like, because say- Marcus Stroman is just as good. It is, it is true, but I mean... He's got like a 60% ground ball rate. That's insanity. And he's the only pitcher in history to put up three consecutive seven-inning or better shutout games at Coors Field. Which is hard to do. He did it twice in 2019, once with Toronto and once with the Mets. And then, of course, Sunday, he was lights out. And then he... i, I seen his little gold glove work there, Stroman. Dude... <laughs> People are going after him on Twitter for taunting the Rockies, and he said, I was saying that to my bench, who were yelling at me. Listen, I, I, I love him. He, hit, he tapped the glove with his, the, gold, uh, you know, the gold emblem on, the, on, the, on there, so... Do it. Do it. <laughs> I love it. Listen... Let, let the boys play. I want to. I want to see. I want to see these guys have fun. They're they're not robots. They're human beings. So when when you make a nice player, you know you crank one four seventy five or five fifty, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Like show off a little bit. Let it, let it be. Listen, I agree with you. Um, at seven and four and only eleven games played, I will take that winning percentage over every eleven games they play. Um, think here's the scary part, Alex. They're not hitting. I I know they're not hitting. Their starting staff ERA outside of Lucchese, who got smoked the other night, has been outstanding. Um, now, Lucchese didn't pitch in 10 days, so you can't really you know, go after him for that. Uh-huh. Uh, he wasn't bad, though. 
Peterson has been phenomenal. Stroman has matched DeGrom pitch for pitch, and DeGrom's best guy in the game. It, it's over. It, it, the debate's over. When you're putting up these numbers, and you've taken it to the Phillies, you've struck out 14 your last two outings, and here's the scary part. That was a seven-inning doubleheader. Uh-huh. He struck out 14 in six innings. That means in the entire entirety of his outing, four outs came by non-strikeout. Scary. And he's throwing 100 miles an hour in 40-degree weather. I sat here watching that game. Um, actually, I listened to part of it. We were coming back from the hospital visiting a little guy. Um, I'm listening to that game on the way home. And we have a, we go over a mountain to where from where we live, so I lost it. I got it back after strikeout number nine, um, and then I watched the highlight film, and I'm watching him, and it's just the change in his mecha- he lost his release point at the beginning of the second inning, and then it was like it was back. I I they said guys go couple innings to find it. He went two pitches, and he found it. And he's effortless. He does not look like a max effort guy. Now, the guy we're getting back on June the 1st in Noah Syndergaard, he's a max effort guy who, by the way, is throwing 97 in Florida right now. Uh-huh. I, call, I said it on our, our preview, and I said it on Willie and Nat's preview. This is a team that can make a run, and it's a team that can go after the Dodgers. Especially if my favorite deportee is pitching the way he has been. Who's that? Edwin Diaz. He has been lights out. Oh, wow. He's, one he's back one bad inning. Okay. And that was in a DeGrom start that screwed him out of a chance for them to come back. So that drove me crazy. He's not back on my good side yet. Okay. Save four in a row without giving up a ton of, without giving up runs. Then you'll get back on my good side. And that sounds like I'm being a little bit hard on him. But you say 57 games in Seattle, bro. Uh Uh-huh. You came to New York and you basically wet your pants. Get it done. It's the pressure. I don't know if it's the pressure, but Hefner's been in his head. Because if you look at, like we talked about last season and how he drove me nuts. But if you look at his numbers, 18 strikeouts per nine innings. He had a sub-3 ERA in limited appearances because the Mets did not score runs last year. Hi, Megan. My sister says hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, I told everybody I was getting back on tonight. Oh, okay, nice. So it's been a great start to the season, but your boys are playing some seriously good ball. They've been playing – they're – they're in that kind of. They're kind of where, like, where your guys are at. There's, there's some days where they're hot and some days where they're cold. And when they're cold, they're ice cold. So, eventually, I'm hoping when the weather kind of turns a little bit here, that they'll figure it out and things will kind of gel. But for right now, where they're at, it's, it's not the end of the world. I'm gonna say. No, I agree. Um, you know, I haven't well, obviously everything going on. I haven't watched much outside of the Mets because they're kind of like my escape to get my mind right. Oh, yeah, by the way, just off topic, speaking of escape to get the mind right, game's downloaded. Yeah? Oh, I can't wait. Oh, you haven't played it yet? Well, no, because if, unless you bought the high-end, the Jackie Robinson edition, you have no access to it till tomorrow. And for those oh, wondering what we're talking about, Alex and I, well, I have already pre-ordered it. It will be ready to play tomorrow. MLB 21, the, sh- the show 21, well, Fernando Tatis Jr. on the cover. 
um, is on Xbox for the first time ever. And the day I found out, I pre-ordered it. Um, so listen, this has been, this is going to be a great week, man. Cause my downtime outside of, I think I'm doing a show with Willie. Um, I don't know if it's on the switch, Megan. Um, other than doing the show with Nat and Willie tomorrow, I'm going to be playing at night. I've already told, I've already told the older one. Mm-mm. <laughs> so anyways, back to, um, back to the subject at hand. What other early season um, things have you noticed? Um, uh, on the bad side, and I know this might bring a little bit of a smile to your face. Uh, I, I did exactly not see this slow start about. from the New York Yankees. I, I just didn't. First of all, let's let, let give me a minute on this one. Yeah, that's fine. I said this to Alex before the show started. Garrett Cole's ERA is higher than the combined ERAs of Marcus Stroman and Jacob DeGrom. He's getting paid $300 million. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are making Dave Kingman look like an average hitter. Hold on. How, How much younger are you than me? I'm 42. 10 years. Okay. Um, I'll go a different name for you. How about Rob Deere? Okay. They are making those two men who did nothing but hit home runs and strike out look like world beaters. The rest of the lineup, my prediction is coming true. Gliber Torres cannot hit and play shortstop. Yeah, that is he like? Does he have like a Hulk in him or something? Or no, what? it's a more de- when you see shortstops who even. In the golden age of the shortstop, when you were talking Garcia Parra, Jeter, A-Rod, Omar Vizquel, Ray Ordonez, these guys, there was a deficiency in one of their one part of their games. Nomar and Jeter were not the defensive wizards that Vizquel and Ordonez were, but Vizquel and Ordonez could not put up the offensive numbers. We have right. not seen someone put it together like that since Cal Ripken. We're starting to see it now. Lindor. Correa, Story, uh, Seager, Javi Baez. So we're starting to see it again. But Gliber Torres is not any of those guys. And I like him. So does he just need a, a position change, like second or third base? Does that, would that do the trick for him? You can't. Gio Urshela won a gold glove, and he's going to hit two seventy five and hit 25 homers. Oh. Second and, and second base, on, when Luke Voigt comes back, that's DJ LeMahieu, who you just paid a ton of money to. I said it to you in tone before last season. I'll say it again. The New York Yankees letting Didi Gregorius get out of town was maybe one of the dumbest moves they've ever made. I would agree with that. And Didi was, he was primed for that stadium. He's a pool hitter. He hit a home run against the Mets in the first series that went to center field. That was the farthest away from right field he'd ever hit a home run his entire career. I, I mean, I, I 100% believe it because he's a natural pool hitter. So with that short porch that they have in right field. That was, Little League field. It, it, you're right. I, I seen uh, the other day, I don't know if it was Stanton. That line Jack. drive that was an out in every other ballpark in the country? It's an absolute indictment to the game of baseball right there. That was a pop fly. It, no, that was a smoked line drive. <laughs> <laughs> but that's But the thing is, that's a double or that is 
and out in every other ballpark in the country, and these dudes are hitting a buck sixty-eight. Uh-huh. They're pitching behind Garrett Cole, who, by the way, has not been bad. He hasn't been. No, he hasn't been, actually. But the pitching behind him has been borderline atrocious. This is the first time since the mid-90s that they have the worst record in baseball. Worst record in the American League. The worst record in baseball is Colorado. Right. Shock. I mean, I, I assumed it was going to be Pittsburgh, but they've showed up in a sense. And that kid I picked for rookie of the year has played really good. Yes. <laughs> so, I'm not quite done on the rant on the Yankees, because I'll say this. Why is Brett Gardner starting in left field? There's, there's definitely... Boone has some questions to answer, for sure. I can't stand Clint Frazier. I've wanted to slap him since he asked them to unretire number seven. That that's that that's a quick way to find your way out of New York real fast. A quick way. But he's good. He is good. He is good. Although the bonehead throw he made against the Rays on Sunday was kind of funny. Speaking of, who does Tampa Bay think they are? I, I told you. <laughs> They're scrappy. Do not sleep on Tampa Bay. They have absolute. They've. They are willing to get rid of anybody, and it's next man up. And guess what? That next man up will deliver. I. It's unreal. Glasnow's a stud. Oh, fantasy team as well. <laughs> Going back to the Yankees real quick, I am happy to see Jameis Italian has been pitching very well. That is good to see. Um, speaking I, I was of, a fan of so. so was I. And another thing that's been going well, how about Trey Mancini? Oh. That's great, isn't it? Amen. Yep. Yep. Hat tip for sure. When he hit that dinger, um, when I was on with Willie and Nat, we, we've got to get you. Uh, thanks, Willie. Good to be back. Um, we got to get you. I got to talk to those guys about getting you on because they baseball is their thing, dude. They are the best. Listen, here's the funny thing. I'm in a I'm in a group. I'm in a group text chat with them, and Nat's number comes across. She's from Ohio. I've been to the town she's from. Okay. So and she's a big Indians fan. So but Mancini's been great. How about Shane Bieber setting records? I went to that game, uh what is it? Oh a week ago tomorrow. I know, I saw the pictures. Giolito and Bieber. I enjoyed it because it was a pitching feast. I love it. Pitching feast, but my wife who was there with me was just like Can somebody do something? I'm just like, listen. <laughs> Not against know? these two. You're not going to happen tonight. I told her before the game when we walked in, I was like, this is going to be a pitcher's game. You're going to just have to, like, tough it out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, going into, we're almost at the end of the first month of the season. This is crazy. So, we got some great pitching matchups coming up. Um, Of course, the Mets. DeGrom went Saturday in the first game of the doubleheader. So you're not going to see him in Chicago, but I think Friday night, the 23rd, is Scherzer and DeGrom at City Field. Oh, and did you see who's on the injured list already? Speaking of the Washington Nationals. Ah, uh, Strasburg. Oh, it's like I know what I'm talking about, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I kind, of, I kind of seen it coming. It was, it was bound to happen at, at a certain point. Willie just said he appreciates me, and he said get me get you his inf- your get him your info. So we're gonna get you on. Okay, beautiful. Willie lives in Texas, and he's an Oakland Athletics fan. He's awesome. 
Nat, of course, huge Indians fan, is in love with Shane Bieber. Um, speaking of the Indians, man, Andres Jimenez is off to a good start. There's a little oh. shortstop. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I was, I was blanking no, for a you're good. You're good. He's off to a great start. And Rosario doesn't look half bad in center field at times. No, he actually played a pretty good game the other day when I seen him. That's the move. If they didn't get Lindor, I remember telling you, that's the move I wanted the Mets to make. Make Jimenez the everyday first baseman, or shortstop, and then put uh, Rosario in center field. Uh-huh. But we got Lindor. I'll take it. Um, so what else did I want to hit you with? Um, so the Dodgers and Padres are fighting already. Oh, I was all about, I was all over it this weekend. See, here's the thing. What set that off? Because my days have just kind of run into the next with everything going on. So it was, uh, Kershaw on the bump and, uh, I think it was Margot who, uh, hit the catcher's mitt. So uh, catcher's interference. Yep. And essentially, Kershaw just basically said it was like Bush League, like, you know, BS and stuff like that. So Margot kind of was, was chirping back at him as well, too. And, and after that, you know, that's kind of that's kind of really where, like, the, the blood was started to boil. I don't think anybody got beaten in the game, but you could definitely tell, like, tensions were rising as, as, the, as the series went on. They're going to go. Well, they are. Well, they're going to go. They're 100%. Um, and first of all, who does Margot think he is? Does he not remember Clayton Kershaw was the center for Matthew Stafford? The dude's a former O-lineman. You don't tussle with O-lineman. I, I would not mess with Kershaw either. He seems pretty quiet, but he could probably throw hands. He's from South Georgia. Of course he can throw hands. Oh, my Lord. But just getting to, I want to get a little bit more into your White Sox, a little bit more into my Mets. So what has been your favorite thing? Because I'll tell you what my favorite thing's been about the Chicago White Sox, and it's not the pitching. It's that catcher. Good Lord, where did you find him? I don't know, but uh, I will have to say that the most exciting thing is watching Yerman Mercedes hit 470-foot home runs on a regular basis. That's, that's That dude's been, nasty. Oh, my gosh. And aside from the fact that he just cranks, like, massive dingers, the guy can straight up hit. Yes, Right now, I right now, as far as I'm concerned, when he steps in the batter's box, the the baseball looks like a beach ball. It's 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 massive. I wish I could be. I could have been in a zone like that ever. And he, and w- one thing is, and I know he's a little bit older and stuff like that, but for him seeing some top tier pitching, he's not one that chase pitches. He's he's got some maturity in him for sure. So, so you're telling me this dude can hit bombs 450 to 500? Is a flat-out good hitter, young, and has good play discipline. But he's 28 years old, so he's... But okay. This, this, this is just, like, he's just making it to the bigs now because he's been in independent leagues and, you know, kind of bounced all over the place, played, played in different countries and so forth, but now he's finally got his shot here because uh, Eloy's out. So he's he's definitely, you know, making his time worth it right here. And, you know, he's got people putting the uh, his name on, on or the, his... Uh, his jersey is selling out, basically. That's phenomenal. I love those stories. When um, when you see a guy like that who's bounced around, gets his shot, and just goes ham on it. So the young, it, how old is that catcher? Uh, are you t- you're talking about Collins? No, the young the young kid that you guys. Maybe I'm think maybe I'm thinking the catcher's the guy the guy we were just talking about because. 
I thought they had a guy in the minor leagues that they allowed McCann to go to the Mets. Oh, you're talking about maybe Andrew Vaughn, but he's not a catcher. He's they got him in left field right now. Okay. And he's also he's naturally a first baseman, but he's not going to play first base with uh, not with a Bray. You there? No. So how's he been hitting? He's he's hitting pretty well. I got a little bit of a gripe though. Oh boy. I don't know if I've talked to you. I don't know if I talked to you about this before the season, but the whole uh, Tony LaRusso experience is not exactly panning out how Chicago expected it. The game that I went to, and in other games prior to that and after that, the the lineups that he put out there are just questionable to say the least. You know, LaRusso at the end of his career in St. Louis was piecing together lineups and winning around Pujols really being his one big gun outside of David Freese. Um, Do you think he's still got that mentality? Because, listen, the White Sox are loaded. They, they are loaded, but like, like I said, there's, there's games where they're winnable games, and he's putting out there like your Sunday afternoon lineup on a, you know, on a getaway day type of thing. So I'm just like, listen, dude. I get it. It's early in the season and stuff like that. And you want to give everybody reps, but you got to go with your hot hands. And there's been games where, like I mentioned, Yerman Mercedes is coming off of a three, four hit game and then cranking a, a dinger and he's on the bench. I'm just like, well, what are you doing? Is he, you think he's just trying to get other people at bats? Yeah, I a hundred percent it is, but I'm just like, you got to ride the hot hands. There's, yeah, I there's agree. No, there's no reason around it. Listen, Dom Smith has sat a couple of times and I've wanted to choke Louis Rojas. And, now, especially now, because let me shift gears on the Mets, and then we're going to get into 10 days from now. Because uh-huh. um, I have a take on that that you're going to laugh. Okay. So, with the Mets, the thing about them is right now, Brandon Nimmo has almost a 500 on base percentage and a 460 batting average. They can't hit with men on base. They can't. They've They've won seven games, and four of them are by one run. They're four and zero in one run games. Um, they Michael Conforto should be the three hitter on this team, um, but he can't hit with guys on it. He got a couple base hits to end the Colorado series. Pete, same thing. Although he's hit a couple of rockets last few days. Your lineup and mine, when they start to click, it's gonna get scary if the pitching holds up. Now, consistency would be huge because did Giolito pitch today and it wasn't great? He got rocked. It was an early game, and Boston is a sneaky good team. They are. Sneaky good. Is Sale back? What's that? Is Sale back? No. He's not back yet? No. Wow. But J.D. Martinez right now is is like mid-season form right now. He's cranking it right now. That's crazy. Let me answer a couple of, of um, comments real quick. Kyle, they may be back, and Giolito might have gotten lit up, but play that game again, I bet you he's a little better. Um, Willie, as far as intentionally sparking the rivalry, the Yankees have to hit their weight. And those dudes go 6'4", 6'5", 260. That's some big boys. They got to hit their weight. Um, he says, great show. Willie just said, great show. We can't wait to get you on. So, going to expand the family a little bit. Okay. 
So we have ranted about baseball for 27 minutes, almost 28 minutes. In 10 days, it is the biggest joke of an exhibition <laughs> known to man. And that is the NFL Draft coming to you live from Cleveland, O-H-I-O. Uh, they are putting up um, the stage as we speak. I saw some pictures. I have friends that are going to the draft. So what have you thought of? all the garbage being spewed about this draft in the last few days. The whole uh, controversy or conversation about Mac Jones potentially going number three overall is, is it, is it a joke? Is, is this like a late April fool's type of thing? Or let me, let me put it to you this way. Okay. Stephen A. Smith, who may be the one person I want to shut up more than anybody else in this industry. Maybe Skip Bayless has been talking about Ohio State quarterbacks and how they don't perform at the next level. He's not; uh, it's not untrue, but he has compared Justin Fields to Dwayne Haskins. So let's go back and look at Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins had one year as a starter. He threw fifty touchdowns. He threw less than ten picks. He lost one game. He won a Rose Bowl. He then gets drafted, I think it was 10th overall to Washington. But let's examine that. The coach didn't want him. The offensive coordinator didn't want him. The quarterback's coach didn't want him. Why did Washington take him? Because he went to the same school as Dan Snyder's kid. Now, go to the next year. They get Riverboat Ron after kicking Gruden's brother out. The coach didn't want him. The offensive coordinator didn't want him. And the new quarterback's coach. Did not want him. How are you supposed to succeed? Set up to fail constantly. Exactly. Now, here's what really burns me. He's in Pittsburgh. He is far better than Mason Rudolph. Oh, agreed. When Pittsburgh figures it out after their stupidity of this year, Dwayne Haskins is going to be a stud. Mark my words. Dwayne Haskins is going to be a stud. I think that's just, he can work in that system. Because he's big, he's yes, he a is. little bit mobile, He he's not what, you know, Justin Fields is. So let's go to Mac Jones. Uh-huh. And let me ask you a question. Who was the last good Alabama quarterback? Oh, gosh. In the pros? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they can perform in, in, in Alabama, but when they get some, arguably you can say the same thing when about Alabama quarterbacks. I, I have the answer. What's your what's the answer? It's Richard Todd, the former quarterback of the New York Jets. Oh, by the way, do you want to know who he took over for? Joe Namath. Hmm. Somehow I knew that name was going to come up. This is what we're talking about. The last three good Alabama quarterbacks were Joe Namath, Ken Stabler, and Richard F. and Todd. But Mac Jones and all be all. You have McShay and the rest of these morons talking about Fields as weapons. Uh-huh. He has three first-round picks on his offense, and he was the two-time DUI scout team quarterback until Saban got him an offensive line and weapons out the yin-yang. And I'm not knocking him. I'm not saying he's not talented. not saying he doesn't have the ability. Me but neither. For, but for, for this kind of kind of talk to be spewed right now, it's just, in, in terms of what Stephen A. Smith says, blasphemy, right? Oh, he needs to shut his mouth. 
I told you I had something was going to get me going. <laughs> Justin Fields is. Did anyone not see what he did against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson in the Sugar Bowl? He picked that team apart. 22 of 28 and six touchdowns. Well, he had as many incompletions as touchdowns. Correct. With a busted hip. Correct. Did you see some of the stuff from his pro day? Oh, crisp. Cannon. Yes. Now, did you hear what Trevor Lawrence said? No, what did he say? Apparently, he's cool to walk away at any time. Could you imagine if Justin Fields said that? I mean, he wouldn't go in the first round. No. I did a breakdown. I didn't write anything down. I did it in my head. And I did this uh, during the Heisman run that Haskins went on when Kyler won the Heisman and Tua finished second. Kyler deserved that Heisman. Not going to say anything against it. But I broke it down. And I broke it down by top 30 defenses. Kyler played one. And and he played it twice. It was Texas. He lost the first game, won the second one. Completion percentage, high 50s. uh, Touchdown interception was okay. Didn't touch his average yards on the ground or in the air. Okay. Tua played three. Below 50%. More picks and touchdowns. Couldn't touch his average. Haskins played seven. 65% completion. 19 touchdowns. Zero picks. And if you want me to take it to the top 35, he threw five touchdown passes in the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern. So that's 24 and 1. Trevor Lawrence played against, played four games on the same field as a team that could run with Clemson, and he's 2 and 2. Fields is playing top 20 defenses every week in the Big Ten, and he is lighting it up. The dude, I, mean, uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you, Alex. It's just starting to drive me crazy. At this point, is it all but guaranteed that he's going to Jacksonville then? Lawrence? Yeah. Yeah, Urban. Can I That's, see Urban doing something crazy? I could. I but mean, not no, in his I, first NFL yeah. job. Okay. If this was Urban's second or third stop and he had a resume like he did in college. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can see Urban Meyer doing something like that, but I can't see him doing it now. Um, I haven't decided if I'm doing, depending on what's going on, I might do a live reaction show to the draft like Frank and I did last year. Okay. Um, I will be shocked if Justin Fields goes number one overall to Jacksonville. I think he'd be a good fit if Urban wants to run his scheme because, remember, Urban's final scheme in college was Ryan Day. I think he'll be great. Shanahan needs him because Jimmy G can play this year. But don't sleep on Atlanta. Oh, okay. Where did we have Fields going in our mock? Did Fields go to San Francisco? I had, I had him going three. Okay. Just... And then I had Mac Jones going to um, New, New England. New England. I, I can't even begin to tell you. If Mac Jones goes three to San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's going to lose his job and John Lynch is done. You may have gotten into the Hall of Fame as a safety brother, but you're getting nowhere as an executive. 
that would be uh, to me. To me, and I'm not. A, I'm not a Niners fan. Not a you know. Don't really have any you know connection to them at all. But if they did that, they're they're making a they're making a a, a large mistake. And listen, Mac Jones, if he ends up in the right spot, could be a great quarterback. You're right. You're right. But to go three, never that's mind. A stretch. Never mind to go three. He's not going to be throwing the ball to Waddle and Devontae Smith. He's not going to be handing the ball to Najee Harris. Uh-huh. And it's like just people just forget what he had. Now, I know I picked my boys to win the national title, but if you'd have told me our two best interior defensive linemen and Trey Sermon weren't going to play, I would have picked Alabama in a walk. And I bleed scarlet and gray. Uh I just, I am so floored at the garbage that is being spouted because this dude had one good year. Because last year when he came in for Tua, he was garbage. He was I don't even hot. remember him last year. He was he played part after two his hip. He's the one that yeah. played, and Alabama okay. lost three games. Huh. Okay. I just don't know where the questioning of a quarterback who was given that kind of weaponry. I don't understand how you can just discount another one who did it for two years and did it in bigger games against better competition the entire time. I mean, going back to Fields, weren't there like 30 teams at his pro day? Between the two pro days, all the teams showed up. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, no. The Browns didn't go. Neither did Cincinnati. But they're both set at quarterback for the next several years. Between right. Baker and Joe Burrow. Um, oh, did you see that the the Bengals made uh, improvements for Burrow this year? What do they do? New uniforms. Oh. <laughs> I have a sick feeling in my stomach they're going to take Jamar Chase. You think so? <laughs> yeah. And Burrow's going to be out again. Penny oh. Sewell is the pick. Oh, I, I agree. You, you got to protect him. He just—he's coming off an ACL. He's coming. He—he he was David Carr. He was David but, Carr. I'm just saying, if—if if, I know he's valued right now in Cincinnati, but if you have any sense of like common sense, you protect him, especially after after you're going to bank on him being your your starter going forward for the foreseeable future. And listen, Burrow's a stud. Oh, I that that's what I'm saying. I think he's a, he's a stud. I would take him as my you know, starting QB. But we're not going to go down that route. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole, okay? Not today. Not today. Red Raider still not doing it for you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you. I, you know, I was sitting here and I'm like, all right, I'm going to bring up the draft to him. And I'm like, I, I do I open the can of worms? I know he doesn't want me to open. You know, it's a, I'm, at this point, I, I can talk about it. You know, it's it's not the end of the world. I I mean, I packed up all my bear stuff. I'm, I'm going to resell it. So here I am looking for more Browns gear and you're selling the bear stuff. Yeah. 
Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Speaking of your team, and I'm going to go to their your biggest rival. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the next host of Jeopardy? He is. 100%. How good was he? He's good. Did you see the tidal waves category they had the other night? No. Okay. So they're talking about consecutive championships. Okay. The clue was, these Midwesterners won five NFL championships in the 60s. No one knew the answer. Green Bay Packers? He, he goes, Green Bay Packers? The next one. This team won the NBA championship from 1959 to 1966. The dude rings in and goes, who are the Boston Celtics? He goes, oh, you know that one, huh? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, he's good to league football now. He can he can hang up the cleats. It's okay. Listen, he told McAfee he wants the gig. You see Joe Buck's going to do it now too? I did see that. I heard about that the other day. I I I think he's going to be good too. I haven't watched much because I haven't wanted to watch Alex's last episode yet because this was an every night thing when I was a kid. Every night, 7 o'clock, oh, yeah? okay. dinner time, we watch Jeopardy. Um, uh-huh. Not a big Wheel of Fortune guy. Because in New York, that's 7 and 7.30. In Ohio, it's yeah. Wheel at 7 and uh, uh, what's his name at 7.30? Um, at Jeopardy. But I haven't been able to watch Alex's thing, but I want to watch Aaron. Because he looked like he was really good at it. I've seen just a couple snippets of it, not like entire episodes, and he's looks like he's a decent host, honestly. He told McAfee he was more nervous for Jeopardy than he was a Super Bowl. I think uh, he. I, I seen a picture. I don't know if somebody tweeted it out or if it was him or not, but he had like little cue cards in front of him by the podium, and it says, stand up straight and relax. Yes, I did see that. I think he'd be good. I really do. I think, I think so he'd too. Be really good. Speaking of speaking of that, just to go off on, a, on a, just a, a quick tangent, do you think there's any way that he leaves Green Bay at any point? He's a bit of a historian, so I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think this draft will have a lot to say with that. Um, he said. Last year on McAfee's draft night show, they hadn't taken a uh, skill player in the first round of 15 years. Uh, and then they took Jordan Love. Um, the Packers have holes. But, they they've been to, but they've been to two straight NFC Championship games with those holes. Um, I'm guessing you did see the guy's final Jeopardy answer was who decided to kick the field goal? No. Oh, yeah. First episode, the guy said, sorry, I got to fix the cushion here. The guy says, whose idea was the field goal was his final answer. And Aaron goes, thank you. <laughs> it was great. I, um, so yeah, I, I think he's too much of a historian to not, to leave Green Bay. Okay. Um, Favre just wanted to play football. Um, I don't think Aaron's going to go anywhere. I think he it, he would rather hang him up and go do something else than not hang him up and go somewhere else. I mean, not that I've done some, you know, 
significant digging, but it just sounds like the relationship is it's a, it's a tad bit strained with with him and Green Bay right now. But it could be amended with you know a quick conversation or just you know simple sit down meeting. You know, I agree, and you know I think the only quarterback who's not I think I said this to you last time uh, the only quarterback who's not spoken to about personnel decisions more is Russell Wilson. And didn't you hear he's going to be a bear? He's, he's coming. It's, it's going to cost you guys everything, including the peanut vendors. Give it up. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Give it up. Oh, that's great. They probably will. <laughs> right now, if there's one thing that I wouldn't doubt, it's stupidity in that in that front office. No, I hear you. And listen, uh, I said before the thing, uh, the the Browns cut Sheldon Richardson. Um, I, from what I'm reading on Twitter, there are people who firmly believe that he's going to sign a team friendly deal to come back to Cleveland. Um. So let's talk about my Browns for just a moment. Yeah. Let's talk about a defensive line that bookends two number one draft picks. Uh, number one overall draft picks in Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Um, our buddy Tone, who we got to get back on again. I mean, I know he's been in Super Bowl overdrive. And then, of course, went to WrestleMania, which I heard was really cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of wrestling on a tangent, did you see who is now one of the main guys on Friday Night SmackDown? Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. <laughs> Didn't do it all. This dude is great. Have you started? Have you started watching his stuff? Oh yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Did I think? Did I send you the the uh, Jordan Love draft reaction? Yeah, you did. Yeah. And from there, from that moment, I was basically like, "Oh, this is much what must watch." Oh, it is, and. It's must- must watch. I was watching um, clips the other day because I catch it on YouTube because if, if it's work or what's going on right now, um, I don't get to watch his show or listen. And my son goes, is that dude smoking a cigar? And it's A.J. Hawk. It's the great Buckeye, A.J. Hawk. Yeah. So, yeah. So, McAfee, I, I think I'm going to start watching SmackDown again just because McAfee's... McAfee's you, you him, great. You put a hook in front of him and he knows he's like... Lightning quick. And the scary part is he was a hell of a punter. It's not like he was just a stiff. This dude could play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said he was going to kick for the Bears. Who's that? After Parky doinked those two. My son just said, hey, father. <laughs> He's at his buddy's house. Um, hi, Zach. <laughs> so let's go back to the Browns. Defensive line. You're bookending a now healthy post-COVID Miles Garrett and a healthy Jadavion Clowney with most likely um, two new guys in the mid. Sheldon Richardson, like I said, I think he's going to come back. I think they're going to draft a D-tackle in the the draft this year. I don't think it's going to be the first round. I think they're going to go linebacker or edge depth. But now your defensive end rotation... Garrett, Clowney, and Tack McKinley. Watch out, AFC. Are the Cleveland Browns now the best team in the AFC North? Yes. Are they a legit Super Bowl contender? Yes. Okay, so I'm not the only one. No. 
Because like we were talking about off air, this is a team now that did everything. John Johnson. Hill. A sneaky good pickup because he was he was phenomenal with the Rams. He was. Hill was a great slot corner. Oh, by the way, Greedy and Grant Delpit are going to be healthy. Okay. Denzel Ward. Now you got these two guys on the defensive line, or these three guys, on the defensive line. This might be the best Browns team we've seen, definitely since 99. Um, but then you go to the other side of the ball where they've done nothing. They've done absolutely nothing on offense. But Odell's healthy. Jarvis is healthy. Hollywood's back. DPJ is back. The best offensive line in football is back. Run the ball. The best running back tandem in the NFL is back. And oh, by the way, remember Kareem Hunt signed an extension already. I did see that. They're going to re-sign Nick Chubb. If I had to bet money, Baker is going to take a team-friendly deal. He'll make most of his money in bonuses and... Uh, his, com- his commercials. I love his commercials. <laughs> but here's the other thing. And, I'll, and I've wanted to say this to people before, too. Does anyone know where Progressive's national headquarters is? Mayfield Heights, Ohio, 15 minutes from First Energy Stadium. Baker Mayfield is not the spokesman for Progressive because he is a star, and but he is. Baker Mayfield is the spokesperson for Progressive because he is the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. That's it. And he's charismatic. He is. My favorite one is the one where he goes, it's two, the one where he goes grocery shopping. Those are blue bags from Giant Eagle, which is where my mother and father still go to this day to get their groceries. The other one is when he's playing PlayStation or Xbox with Jedrick Wills. On the... uh, It's too loud, right? On the big thing. Bake! The neighbors are complaining. (laughs) I told you it was too loud. And they start playing again. Those two uh, are my favorites. It's... (laughs) You can go on YouTube and watch them all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're all there. So, you know, Baltimore's improved a little bit, but they're going to have to trade an offensive lineman because he won't play because he wants to stay at left tackle. In Orlando Brown. Uh, Zeus's boy. And Zeus, of course, was the guy who got hit in the eye with the... Um, I'm pretty sure that's his old man. Got hit in the eye with the flag. Oh, okay. And whooped up on the ref. I'd have done the same thing. See, he was done after that. Yeah, he was. What surprise? And I asked you this night of the mock draft, and we've had a couple weeks. We've had some more free agents. We've had a lot of talk. What surprises can you see really putting the draft on its ear? Um, I can potentially see, and I know they're not in it in the first round, but I could potentially see Seattle doing something with Russell. <coughs> to find their way into a draft pick. That wouldn't be a bad move for them because they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. That de- do. The Legion of Boom is no longer. It's gone. You know, it's been. it's been gone. You're right. But they have pieces in DK Metcalf. What's the other receiver's name? 
Oh, uh... How am I blanking on him right now? Yeah, me too. Baldwin, right? Or no? No? I don't think Baldwin's there. Let me take a look. Tyler Lock. Tyler Lockett. Lockett, you're right. My who bad. just re-signed. No, no, listen, I couldn't remember him either. So they have studs on the outside. Um, their offensive line isn't terrible. It's not uh-huh. great, but it's not terrible. You know, it's not It's not Cincinnati, but it's not Cleveland. Um, yeah, I. they can draft a quarterback. Uh, just considering that uh, everything going on, aside from all this Chicago, you know, connection, the the relationship is, is I think, ruffled beyond uh, belief right now. And I think that Seattle's trying to stay as hush about it as possible. But I think it's all but guaranteed that Russ wants out for sure. So why not trade him or something right now to get yourself some back? I agree. Um, if you can't repair the relationship, you have to make a move. Uh-huh. Um, you can get a lot of capital. For um, for uh, Russell Wilson, real quick, Kate. I'm sorry, my phone was in the way, and I didn't notice that you had said hello when I was when I said hello to Zach, uh, my daughter. <laughs> so the kids are watching. <laughs> so yeah, no, they, I think Russell moving has to be done. Um, which team outside of your Bears? who would have to sacrifice probably the next two or three years. Is this a move that Atlanta has the draft capital? And the players, is this a move that Carolina has the draft capital or the players? What team out there? Yeah, what team out there do you think could make that move for Russ and not absolutely destroy their future. I think honestly, at the top of the list would probably be Carolina because they they're they're already in in that rebuild mode, mm-hmm. and and they've kind of gotten past those initial stages. So they could probably give up quite a bit or give up enough and not have to like have to do a complete reset again. Does a Russell Wilson move cost Carolina Christian McCaffrey? Because if I'm Pete Carroll and Russ is under contract, why not ask for him? I suppose, but then don't they still have Chris Carson? Didn't he resign? Are we really having this quite, this discussion? No, but it's yes, he did resign. Chris Carson did stay up there, but if it's a draft pick and Christian McCaffrey. If it's a number one this year, and uh-huh. Christian McCaffrey, if you're Pete Carroll, you need to make that deal. This can't be draft day. Right. You, you got to make this deal. No, you're you're right, and and I I guess I'm 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 probably putting a little bit more more stock into Chris Carson than really do. Yeah, I think he's I think he's a solid running back, but in comparison, it's there's no there's no equal there. It's one. Top tier and one middle ground, third or fourth tier. Yeah. So hang on a second. I've got to reset anchor because we're almost at an hour.
I definitely understand that. So we're back on Anchor. This is the uh, for the audio. Still here with Alex. We're approaching an hour. Uh, I figured it'd be about this much because you and I haven't talked in a while. So last couple things I want to get to, and then we can wrap this up because I got to be up early and go do stuff. So, um, <laughs> the um, so really the only player you see making a splash with the draft and moving. Sorry, I had to fix that again. Uh, is Russ. I think so. I, mean, I I really haven't read or follow up, followed up with like any significant rumors out there that I can see that any team making a splash move. But I mean, I suppose being a handful of days away or a little more than a handful of days away, there could be something that is brewing that's brewing right now that we're not really aware of just yet. Most likely, um, I don't think anyone would be telling Schefter about this because of how close it is to the draft. Right. So the other question that I was going to pose to you, and I'm going to answer it first. If there's no big moves, what team could just absolutely flummox the entire draft? And I'm going to say it. Go ahead. And it's going to be Cincinnati because they're going to draft a wide receiver and they're going to get Joe Burrow killed. And they will be in their perpetual rebuild for the 15th year. Wow. Now, don't get me wrong. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have some history. Uh-huh. Like, record-setting NCAA history. I get it. But, if Joe Burrow can't stand, he can't throw the ball. And Ryan Finley is not going to have that kind of uh, rapport with Jamar Chase. So I think Cincinnati can screw it up that way. Um, no, I don't think the Jets can do it this time. Shocker. <laughs> Listen. They've got their man. Oh, and by the way, Carolina won't make that trade with Seattle. They just traded for Sam Darnold. Oh, that's right. And picked up his fifth-year option. Did you see that part of it? I I, I heard of it. I just didn't remember. That's all. You're all good. I just remembered it now because I was talking about the Jets. Within a couple hours of the deal, they picked up his fifth-year option. Wow. Matt Rule. I mean, Matt Rule. I mean, a fresh restart. This this could be you know, a rebirth in a sense. Could Sam Darnold pull a Ryan Tannehill? I, I mean, I would like to see it. I mean, I I, I, I think what when he got when he went to the Jets, he really never had a chance. It was kind of like a, uh, the Haskins situation, honestly. I mean that uh, the Jets have have been a dumpster fire for as long as I can remember. So, any quarterback, regardless of how good they are, break down the drain. McAfee had the stats. There were only four quarterbacks who have been over five hundred in the last twenty some years for the Jets. Names like Vinny Testaverde, mm. Brett Favre had a nine and seven season. Do you want to know which quarterback had the best record for the New York Jets in the last twenty five years? And I'll tell you this, it's not Chad Paddington. And that broke my heart. The, that, was, that name was actually going to pop in my head right now. Who, who is it? It's Mark Sanchez. Wow. Mark Sanchez won 35 games for the New York Jets. The Sanchez? Think about, here it is. They go 9-7 and seven his first year. He won 8 of them because he had to sit out a game because he heard his name. 
He then won two games in the playoffs. So he won 10 games his first year. They go 11-5 and five in year two. He wins two games in the playoffs. That's 23 wins in two years. They go 8-8 eight and eight the next year. Sanchez won more games in his first three seasons than Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Brady. And then he dismantled his, they dismantled his offense and went out and got Tim Tebow to play to run the Wildcat. Absolute indictment. Absolute indictment. Wow. You know who their most successful head coach at that time was? Rex Ryan. Ah, Rex, yeah. Oh, Rexy was fun. Rexy was a blast. <laughs> I could imagine. Oh. Could imagine. That's still when I was that's still when they were team A and the Browns were team B. Oh. Rex was a blast. Is he still? Does he still have that ESPN gig now? Yeah, he does. Dude, the guy's a defensive guru. Yeah. Here's a funny thing about him. I read his book. I didn't know this. His mother was a Rhodes Scholar. First of all. Um. Second of all, he's dyslexic. Is he really? Yeah, and he helped diagram and figured out the forty-six defense faster than Rob did. Wow. Like, Buddy put it on paper, and Rex had it first. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, the guy is a football savant. Um, and hilarious to boot. He is. Um, so, I don't see the Jets doing that. Carolina won't make that deal. I think if you're looking at someone to make the deal for Russ, it's going to have to be an outlier that no one's talking about. And it burns me to say this. But I can see Miami doing it. But, but didn't they go all in with Tua? You let Fitzmagic walk. Yeah, you let Fitzmagic walk. But you still needed him to come in and be a closer to get a big win to keep you alive in the playoff hunt. Oh, I remember. I think Miami's a quarterback away. I don't think it's Tua. Ask Frank. We went back and forth. I can't stand the guy. I don't think he's nearly as good as people think he is. I think he finished second in the Heisman Trophy because Georgia blew a coverage and didn't prepare for them to pull Jalen Hurts. Think about it. They anointed him after they won that national championship. That was a blown coverage and a team that didn't prepare for him. Uh Well, you're right. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to be the, he was the saving grace going to Miami by any means. But just judging by the way that Miami has operated this and has managed this whole quarterback situation, kind of made me seem that they were pushing all the chips in on Tua, but I, I guess I could see it happening. I mean, it, if you're talking about a team that's a quarterback away, that's a proven quarterback away, Miami can, the, an argument can be made for Miami. An argument can be made for New Orleans. The New Orleans thing, I could see. I could see. But I mean, does New Orleans? But does New Orleans? They've got cap issues. They they've do. got big cap issues. So does Pittsburgh. No money to spend. Exactly. 
So you may not be able to take on his contract unless you restructure it. And I think with the amount of money Russ is owed, he's not going to want to restructure it. Money up front. Exactly. Not on the back end. Exactly. <sighs> what else is going on since you and I talked last? Oh, we're going to jump back to baseball. I told you they're going to get the Lindor deal done. Oh, yeah. I mean, what what did, they, what did it end on? 12 years, right? 10 years? 11. 11. But this year, the contract starts next year. So okay. this year he's playing for his arb- final arbitration number, which is like 19 or something. Next year starts to 10 years for 341. So at the end of the day, it's 11 years for like 360. Is that, so, that going to set the tone for, for next year's big class of free It agents? is, but look what they did. They gave him $1 million more than Fernando Tatis. That's what the Mets basically did. They said, listen, 10 years, 341. You get a million dollars more. You get, and I'm sure, I think there's back end money on this too. I'm sure there oh, is. Oh, no, no, there's not. No, no. That was part of it. I, I Either the last deal the Mets offered before they got to the 341 had no back money or this one does. I can't remember which. But apparently, Lindor now has been in Michael Conforto's ear. Chirping. You need to stay. Let's play together for the next 10 years. You need to stay. Do you think they'll, they'll give Conforto a five, seven-year deal or what? I think he'll get seven. I don't think he'll get the money he wants because of the way he started playing. But I think he'll get seven. Um, DeGrom has an opt-out after this year. Oh, he's he's not walking. Well, no, he's. I think he'll opt out to renegotiate the contract. Okay. Um, because what no one remembers is it wasn't Brody Van Wagenen or the rest of the front office that negotiated his contract. You know what the driving force behind his contract was? Special assistant to the general manager, David Wright. David Wright negotiated his deal. And finally told Van Wagenen, you need to pay him. This is the guy. And now he's putting up Seaver-like numbers. You can't lose him. Yeah. And Steve Cohen has already said, I'm going to spend money. Let it fly. Let it fly. DeGrom's got the opt-out. Syndergaard's a free agent. Strowman's on a one-year. Cookie's under control for two more. Um, who if, there's but, anybody, if there's anybody on that roster, though, that you could potentially see them letting go, who would it be? Do you, you think they bring back everybody and restructure it? I think that depends on how this year goes. Okay. If they make a deep run, I think he'll try and run it back. Syndergaard's not going to cost a ton of money. Because he's coming off Tommy John. He's not going to have a full season. But you can get him for 12 to 15 a year. Conforto's going to cost you buck seventy-five. And I know I'm talking like it's Monopoly money. That much, really? I think so. He's a Scott Boris guy, Alex. Oh, okay. I'm not knocking the guy. I'm not saying he's not worth it. I'm just... I'm on the fence. Um, when, I, when I think Conforto, I don't think 
$150 million. I think, you know, seven for, I don't know, 105 type of thing. I'd give him the Piazza deal, 791. Okay. That's 13 million a year. Sure. For a guy who, you know, played in the World Series before he went to his first big league camp, it's pretty good. Um, and the great part about it is none of these guys want to leave. They all want to stay. That's even better when you got when you when guys have bought into it and want to stay. Strowman's living with his parents. He's from Long Island. <laughs> Speaking of Long Island, how good has Stephen Matz been in Toronto? Have you seen this? I have not seen them much. Dude's in Toronto. got a sub one and a half in three starts. He has been lights out. Wow. Somebody. Somebody, much in Toronto, honestly. He needed a change of scenery. Okay. I miss him because I, I love the lefties. And not for nothing, I'd rather have him than Joey. But good for him, man. Good for him. And Harvey's pitched pretty well in Baltimore. That's good. That's good to see. It really is. I mean, that guy. They Someone just put up, it happened, um, what was it? Eight years ago today was the start against the Nationals when the fans were chanting Harvey's better when he beats in, uh, when he beat Strasburg. I remember him pitching a uh, shutout against your having a no hitter against your boys deep into a game with the night is had the nosebleed on the mound. Who's that? Harvey. Against the Sox? Against that twenty thirteen season. The Sox were at City Field. Huh. Harvey started the game. The Mets won one nothing in ten. He went eight, and he had a no hitter through seven. Oh! Wow. But in the first inning, he's got the blood coming down his nose. If this was the eighties, different animal. Uh, if it was Doc, different animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he oh, Harvey 2015. Oh, oh, I mean, oh. Yeah. A dark night in full effect. Five years ago, yesterday, I went to Cleveland to watch the Mets. My wife's first major league game, I think. First game with me, anyway. And she let me walk into that joint with the Batman mask on. Because Harvey was going that day. I had on my white home pinstripe jersey and my Batman mask. And every time Harvey took them out, I put the mask on. Nice. I had people looking at me funny. It was great. Who cares? I don't. <laughs> so listen, we're at the one hour and ten minute mark. Um, we got some. I got some stuff to finish up before I get to bed. Why don't you tell us what's coming up on Row 7, Alex? Well, I just dropped actually a new podcast just before I, I hopped on yours, uh, so there's uh, there's some new content out all over Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcasts. Uh, as always, you can find me at Real Seven Podcasts on Twitter uh, or my personal Twitter handle at Alex underscore RG Eight. Uh, talking all things sports because that's the type of animal that I am. Just live, eat, and breathe everything. Baseball, football, basketball. If it's if it's trending, if it's current, if it's newest worthy, I'm on it. I see you stole one from my Cavaliers last night. I'm not watching too much too much 
much of the bulls right now either because they're they're also riding the pine pony. <laughs> well, as far as Big Recon goes, I will be on the Brothers of Baseball and the Shake on the Shakeback Sports Network tomorrow night. Um, as far as it's uh, myself, Natalie, and Willie are going to be doing an episode tomorrow. Um, as far as me, on the fence, but most likely we'll be doing either a live tweeting or a live reaction show to the draft in just 10 days. Uh, you know, it's the end of this month. Looking forward to it. I, I Listen, it's in Cleveland. It's a football city. I can't wait. If you do something, just like just send me a message or something. Let me know. I'll I'll hop on and we'll, we we can chime in. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm probably gonna live tweet it, just okay. because you know, steal the, the Mets are gonna be on. So it's not even a question. <laughs> I'll stay up to watch pick number twenty six, which I think the Browns are gonna take either the kid from Notre Dame, the linebacker. Oh okay. Because they're going defense. The linebacker from Notre Dame. Micah Parsons may fall to the Browns, the kid from Penn State. Or, now they're talking the edge rusher uh, from Michigan, Quiddy. Um, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got I know He doesn't need up. a last name. Look where he goes to school. Um, dude. I can't even. They're not playing this year's game at the shoe. They're keeping it on schedule. So they're back up in Ann Arbor for, the second, for this year. With fans? Or Are there fans we, up there? I don't know. I don't either. It's been a hammer and a nail for 15 years. It's been a while since I've been on. I am on fire tonight. Yeah, I um, know. You're, you're just getting warmed up. <laughs> it's And it's toasty in here. <laughs> hey, I have a quick question before, before we yeah. end this. Um, I've heard that the... Your boys are bringing back the black jerseys. Does that mean they're bringing back the black caps? I think so. And it's not even bringing back. Steve Cohen has said they will wear black jerseys this year. Okay. I like that. I'm pumped. I got one in the closet. You do? Yeah. I had one, Pedro Martinez. I had 45. Oh, really? Okay. But it doesn't fit, so I gave it to my father. So he's excited. So I got my wife usually wears the black one because I have the... You've seen the blue alternate. I've worn uh-huh. that, and I have the white, the home one. Um, but, yeah, they rock the black jerseys. I'm at it. Because um, cause I know I, ha- I had a Mets hat way back in the day, but now it's it's fitted, and it does not fit anymore, so I need to. The all black? Yeah. All See, black with the, with the orange and the blue. Yeah. I preferred the black with the blue brim. Oh, I mean, if they do that, that would be sick. When they wore the Snow Whites at home, they would wear the black with the blue brim a lot. Okay. And I like it because that's the heyday. That's Piazza, Uh Wright, Reyes, Beltran. Um, That's, you know, basically the beginning of my adulthood, Mets. Because I'll I'll give you just a quick tidbit right here, and then we can can end it whenever. But uh, back in the day, just to show you how much of a baseball homer that I was – I had myself a one John Franco jersey. 45. It's still a crime I, that he's I, not in Cooperstown. I was a Franco fan. 
I love him. Franco fan. There are two Mets that I feel it is an absolute travesty they're not in the Hall of Fame. John Franco is one of them. He's the all-time leader in saves for a left-handed pitcher. 424. I want to say 300-plus for the Mets. He's not in the Hall? No. He was off the ballot after one year, Alex. Do you know the other one who should be in the Hall of Fame and isn't? Is Keith Hernandez. Well, that's... You are talking about the greatest defensive first baseman in the history of the game. And I'm going to send you something offline. Okay. Guy by the name of the Jolly Olive on, on YouTube. He's a Met fan podcaster. I've already talked to him. I'm going to try and get him on. Huh? He has done a best of the Mets booth. Keith Hernandez is a national treasure and should be treated as such. My personal favorite was Arizona had a hot dog that was $25. And there was a very good-looking female eating this hot dog with her significant other. Her, and Gary Cohen goes, that's a $25 hot dog. And Hernandez goes, oh my goodness. And Gary goes, how much meat do you think is in that hot dog? It had to be several pounds, wouldn't it? Hernandez skips a beat and goes, I wasn't talking about the hot dog. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Just done. <laughs> oh, and they have so much fun with those three dudes in the booth. If you ever get a chance to watch an SNY broadcast, uh-huh. you have to. Because not only, first of all, when Conforto got hit by the pitch and stuck the arm out, oh, they hammered him. Oh, they hammered him. Hernandez said, This is terrible. <laughs> Keith, they got to win. You're a Met broadcaster. What are you doing? And I thought about it. Bush League. That word came out too. But it, it, it's... And Darling is just as good and Cohen is just as good. See, the Mets are lucky. There are broadcast teams and in the radio booth because I listen to Howie Rose and Wayne Randazzo a lot. They either were players or all grew up Met fans. So you get that Homer-esque to it. Uh-huh. But... With all due respect, it's not as bad as Hawk Harrelson was. Hawk was bad. I know that's your boy. No, no, you're 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 100 right. Hawk was bad. I, I can't defend that. Can't. Yeah, he was bad. So I'm gonna wrap it up. Big Recon, as always, can be found here on YouTube, Facebook, and on Periscope. The uh, at Big Recon on Sports, the Twitter handle, Big Recon on Sports on Facebook. Spotify, Google, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. You can get the audio of every episode. I will let you guys know if it's going to be a live tweet or if it's going to be a live reaction show to the draft. If it's the live tweet, Alex, I'll let you know. We'll go back and forth. We'll let Tone know. We'll get everybody involved. And we'll have a lot of fun. I am going to bring... uh, I'm going to try and get to a weekly Mets wrap-up that I did a couple years ago. They were my first videos on the YouTube channel. So thank you, everybody, for coming back. Um, sorry I was gone so long, but obviously I had some stuff going on. I will talk to everybody soon. Have a great rest of your week. Alex, thank you again. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Take care.